you lose your mind because it's like, oh, he can do that. Wow. Yeah. Right. With Will Levis, yeah. we're gonna get, we're gonna become numb to it because if he continues to do these things at this rate, um, we're gonna, we're gonna be screwed. Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are we on this fine Wednesday? No, Tuesday. what is today? Tuesday? Tuesday afternoon. I'm losing track of days. How are you? Yes, today is Tuesday in terms of recording this Wednesday, Wednesday for, the, for the Wednesday show, but I'm good. Uh, had a little bit of fun on the Titans mini buy, but now of course, perfect time to be back because the biggest news of the season probably dropped today. So I'm excited to be here talking about it today. I know huge quarterback news, Carson Wentz to the Rams. Yes. Very exciting. Can't wait to dive into that all day today. No, of course we're talking about Will Levis being officially named the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans and what better timing than to have a fantastic friend of the show joining us today one of the best, I would argue the best in town doing what he does, breaking down what Will Levis has put on tape already this season as a Tennessee Titan, and uh, maybe talking about what we can expect from him going forward as he is now the starter for the remainder of the season. Before we bring our guest in and before we get into the meat of today's show, a couple of housekeeping things. First of all, if you're joining us live, thank you for hanging out on this Tuesday afternoon. Do us one quick favor, hit that retweet like button, whatever you can do to share this show. We want to get as many live eyeballs on this as possible. So send the link to a buddy, somebody you think might be interested in this show. Be a friend, tell a friend. We appreciate you helping us out there. And if you wouldn't mind leaving wherever you are on Twitter or Facebook watching this live stream, that's great. That's cool. You're going to have a better time, better experience over on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. You'll find this live stream there on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Find this live stream, go to the comment section, and that's where you can talk to us, ask any questions. Uh, any comments you might have on today's news and on the tape we're going to be breaking down. Join our guys Deagle and Skyler already over there. Appreciate you guys being with us. All right. One last thing. we got to shout out our wonderful and amazing sponsors here at the Hot Read Podcast, Boom Buzz, Craft Pizza, and Tap House in Spring Hill. It is where we are doing our live Thursday live show every single week in Spring Hill at Boom Buzz, Craft Pizza, and Tap House. We love hanging out there on Thursday nights pre-Thursday night football, doing the show, talking about the Titans matchup, and then hanging out at the bar for the rest of the night watching the game. We'd love for you to come and hang out with us, catch the show, catch the game. We do gift card giveaways each and every week, so some get, come get some food for free. I mean, I don't know how much more I have to sell you on that. That's a pretty good deal. Just drive out there, hang out, get free food, and watch the game with us. We would love to have you, and uh, we would love to enjoy your company, so come hang out. Um, all right, that is all the housekeeping out of the way. Let's get to what is going to be a very exciting show. Bringing on in our guest today, James Foster, better known as A to Z Film Room on YouTube, on Twitter, on all of the social media platforms. Former co-host of the show. Been on the show more than any other guest we've had. We've not had him on yet this year. It's been a long time coming. James, how are you? Thanks for coming back to the show, man. I'm doing great. I was um I was really just on the edge of my seat to uh wondering if that it was going to be Malik or uh Will oh, Levis starting. Right, right, right. Yeah. It, I, I was talking on a show earlier this week about how everyone's talking Tannehill or Levis, who's it gonna be? And then I was half expecting today for him to just throw out the maybe we see Malik. Maybe we just go, you know what? Don't have to pick between your children, just go with the third option and infuriate everybody. Now we're talking about um 
will have us pretty much all day today. And we want to dive into the, the film as soon as possible. But we have to address the official news of the day that came down at Mike Vrabel's press conference about two hours, three hours ago now. And we've got the clip of him making that announcement at the top of the press conference. JT, let's play it. Mike Vrabel makes it official. Will Levis is the starter for the Tennessee Titans going forward. Clear up some things here going forward. Um, you know, Will's going to be our quarterback. You know, we're going to we're going to go with Will. We think that's the best opportunity for our football team right now. And, um, you know, see where he's at. I think Ryan um, will progress through here this week, I, I think, and, and hopeful. Uh, you know, to be a backup for us and prepare as a starter, but that's where we're at right now. And I shared that with the team and you know, had a conversation with everybody involved. So um, that's what that'll look like. There'll be some moving parts along the offensive line uh, as we work our way through the week just with health. So won't be able to give you much insight there um, moving forward. So he spoke with the team this morning at their 10 o'clock team meeting, letting everybody involved know what was going to happen, had a private conversation with Ryan Tannehill, had a private conversation with Will Levis, said that everybody knows what they need to know and took everything relatively well. He went on to say that with Will Levis, there's clearly something there. And the only way you get better is by going out there and doing it. All the things that anybody with eyes and a brain has been saying, never in doubt, gentlemen, that he was going to make this obvious decision. It, it, Turns out it simply was too obvious a decision to possibly mess up. Uh, James, how how worried were you that we were going to have to deal with, will it be Levis, will it not be Levis the rest of the season? Or, or did you feel like this was a foregone conclusion? Yeah, if I had to put a percentage chance that he went with Tannehill, it would probably be like 5%. Okay. Um, like whether or not he wanted to uh, or not, like there's you can't invest – all of that draft capital, including the trade up into Will Levis, have him play like however you want to debate uh, the details and the specifics, have him play relatively well and not play him. Like, um, so yeah, I, I wasn't losing any sleep over it. Yeah, I'm glad that you weren't. I think that um, the cooler heads prevailed here and this was uh, we've been saying it this is what was going to happen i totally understood the fears from folks and knowing vrabel and his nature probably wanting to to push back in the direction of ryan Tannehill and and just you just, you just can't you could not find a way to justify it and he knew that that was going to be like a fireable level offense if he did that kind of thing um, a couple more things from his press conference just to get these out on the table for us and then we'll dive into the film got a good laugh from him by the way i james i've been on a personal um, campaign since the spring before Peter Skaronsky ever was a Tennessee Titan that I just, I want to see this guy given a chance on the outside. I know it's not going to happen, but I'm just, I'm going to keep waving the flag and seeing if I ever get lucky enough for him to be forced in that situation. Um, I asked Vrabel about if there was a scenario in which with the Titans offensive line situation in flux, and we're going to talk about some offensive line film here in a minute. Um, is there a scenario in which you give Peter Skaronsky a chance to tackle, or do you just want to develop him on the inside? And he said there's a chance for, for anything to happen. I mean, he said you can come up with a scenario and it's possible. But for right now, they want to continue developing him as a guard. Um, but yeah, there is absolutely a scenario in which he plays out there. There's a scenario for pretty much anything that might have to happen. Uh, there's plenty more reaction to all of this news, by the way, from the press conference from Vrabel, Aziz Al-Shair, and Nick Westbrookine on our social medias. Check it out on Twitter, at Easton Freeze, or on our Instagram or TikTok accounts, uh, at Hot Read Pod. Plenty of highlights and clips up on there. 
Um, I feel obligated to just, if we're closing the chapter on the Ryan Tannehill um, era in Tennessee to, to give an official salute to him, a fantastic quarterback in the grand scheme of the Tennessee Titans franchise. I think inarguably the second best quarterback that has ever worn the two tone blue and was a big part of a lot of winning. I would argue he was a big part, if not the primary driver behind taking this team from very middling, very average to a perennial contender um, and an exciting winning franchise. James, do you have any parting words for the Ryan Tannehill era? Yeah. I mean, I remember when he came in like after the Broncos game, cause like the second half of the Broncos game, you know, wasn't prepared for it or whatever, but right. once the offense kind of shifted from Mario to Tannehill, I remember just having this um, kind of revelation that like, <laughs> I no longer uh, just felt like throwing in the towel on third and six, <laughs> you know, like with, with Mariota, if it was third and six, it's like, okay, I may as well get up and use the bathroom or whatever. Right. Um, when Tannehill came in, you know, it, it, there was actually um, some, some firepower on, in like long yardage situations. And then that kind of diminished uh, over the course of his tenure. And once Will Levis came in and replaced Ryan Tannehill, I was been again, similar, I, right? It's kind of the same like, feeling. Oh, we, you know, a false, a false start penalty on first and 10 doesn't just kill the drive automatically. Um, right, exactly. And I, hopefully we're going to be looking at some of those plays that Will Levis is enabling the Titans to make on, on the tape here in a second, but absolutely. It's that similar. It's like having your eyes opened. It's like you're a two dimensional being. And then somebody shows you there's a whole new world out there. There's a it's third like the dimension. Clair, it's like the Claritin commercial, you know, where they peel off the blurry layer. <laughs> exactly. It suddenly the world is clear to you. Yeah. yeah so uh, a thank you to Ryan Tannehill for making the Titans a whole lot more competent, a whole lot more fun to watch and to cover over the past couple of years. But we are on to the Billy Jeans era. And it has been a real roller coaster ride for him this calendar year in January, the discussions were will Levis like first overall pick is he QB one in this draft class. And then by April, he falls all the way out of the first round to the 33rd overall pick by August. He's named the third string quarterback behind Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis. He's inactive on game days for the first six or seven games of the year. And then by November, he's named the Tennessee Titans starter going forward. And he is at the helm of his own NFL franchise. Um, I'm very excited now that we know officially he's going to be the starter to see some of these uh, matchups between he and his draft class contemporaries on November 26th. Later this month, we get Will Levis versus Bryce Young. That should be an entertaining watch to compare those two on the same screen. Uh, then on December 17th, we get Levis versus Stroud part one, which should be a really exciting. I can't tell you the last time I was this excited for a Titans Texans game. It's going to be so much more fun than it's been in the relative past. And then you get part two of those two guys later in December on the 31st on new year's Eve. Cannot wait. We're going to get some very direct comparisons of the Titans new starting quarterback against his draft contemporaries. Um, before we dive into the Levis James, while we have your ear, um, give me your thoughts on CJ Stroud. Is he the next coming of insert incredible hall of fame quarterback i mean he looks so good yeah i mean you can't really overstate how impressive cj stroud has been i think the craziest part about cj stroud is that the expectation for him like for at least for me um heading into the season was that 
Like if you give him a clean pocket and just have him, you know, dice up defenses, he's going to be so consistently accurate. But like when the play breaks down and he's under pressure, we just, it's not necessarily that he was um, like all out bad in his last year of college. It's just, you would see like one or two plays per game where he was actually under pressure and it didn't look that good. And then you see this great performance against Ohio state that kind of just was counter to everything we had seen. So that was kind of an unknown. And then in the NFL, he actually hasn't been that accurate. Like he ranks near the bottom of the league in on target percentage. Um, and I was, I was going through on, <clears throat> on sports info solutions today and like playing around with the, the air yards and like, you can, you know, set different filters and stuff. And basically however you slice it up, whether it's, you know, short yardage, um intermediate deep passes whatever like he ranks in the high 20s or like 30 31 in on target percentage and I, I was going through i'm working on a tank dell video i was going through um a lot of his tape today and like there's just so much meat that's left on the bone like that bucks game he legitimately could have thrown for like 650 yards <laughs> because number one it, the Bucks secondary had probably one of the worst performances from like an individual unit that i've watched like the some of the giants o-line performances this year would would be up there but uh, like everyone was getting cooked um so yeah to me i look at that as like there's even more room for for like easy growth if if which is crazy to think regresses back to our expectations as far as accuracy um yeah, and like just his his confidence and how how quick and decisive he is getting through his reads, um, and then the the out of structure stuff under pressure has has been as better than pretty much anyone could have uh, imagined. So yeah, he he's gonna be he's gonna be a, a dude for the uh, foreseeable future. Watching him this year, all I can think about is those of you that are the most serious tape grinders, guys like you, James. You were in. January, February, talking about how with Stroud, a lot of the evaluation was, okay, we saw what he did all year. And then what he saw, we saw what he did against Ohio State in, in that playoff game. And it's like, okay, which one's the real Stroud? And it, it feels like it, what we saw in that Ohio State game, it's all been real so far. Like that's been him. And it's crazy to think that you're thinking it's probably somewhere in the middle. Like, no, it's been that guy. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, the heading into the year like the stroud and then all they gave up for for will anderson it was they're kind of putting all their eggs into into one basket but it, it, it they're hatching so far <laughs> they're hatching i like that all right let's let we've, we've teased it long enough it's been 20 minutes let's dive into the film and james you have brought um your arsenal of clips cut-ups you've brought some tape that we wanted to go over of course we're starting with and primarily talking about will levis so we're going to pull that up here. And uh, what's this first play from Will Levis you have from Thursday night, it looks like? What are we looking at here? All right, so I'll, I'll let it play once. Um, he's going to get pressure from the right side. Peter Skaronsky, uh had kind of a rough game. Um, loses uh, loses to the nose tackle here. Uh, but he's, he's able to manipulate the pocket, step up, uh, hit this little hole shot to Nick Westbrook-Akine off platform. Um, obviously like everyone's talked about how, you know, how this is just indicative of his quick release. Um, I, I sort of like a good comparison is like, if you've ever played Madden, you know, how, when you're getting pressured, there's like that 
second and a half of delay where you're like pressing X and, uh, and it, it won't release the ball. Like Will Levis doesn't have that. It's just like whenever, mm-hmm. you know, he can be in the middle of getting hit and just, you know, release it with just as much velocity um, as he would have if he was like fully stepping into it. Um, right. But I really like uh, I really like this play as a quarters coverage beater. Um, so you know quarters match coverage is basically uh, you're gonna have uh, if if everyone runs vertical, it essentially plays out like off man coverage. So okay. if um, if if the one releases vertically, then the outside corner takes him downfield. If two releases vertically, two takes him downfield. Um, but what they're going to do is uh, they're going to have number one run basically an influence go, like split these two defenders, and then they're going to have two run an out and up along here. And so when he gets uh, – when two gets – Nick Nick Westbrook, Kino, when he gets out of his break, two's going to see that. Uh, see that two isn't releasing vertically and then start right. to bracket number one. You can see mm-hmm. he's out. So two's like, okay, I got this guy. We got a bracket here. And then it's really just on the hook defender who's got eyes on the quarterback to to move backwards and stick with this this out and up route. He doesn't. There's an opening for the whole shot. Um so, you know, if you look at it from a numbers perspective, you've got three over two right here on this side, and you're still able to get a wide open receiver on third and whatever it is. Now, like this is a coverage bust, but, you know, the bust was created by good play design. Well, and the most impressive element of it is what you started with. And I love that we're starting here because it's a common thread with a lot of what Will Levis has done. His ability to generate power out of nowhere is one of those superpower things that very few quarterbacks in the league have. It's one of those things that he's demonstrated through two weeks that is really evident, and it, it it's a superpower. It gives you an ability to make plays that a guy like Ryan Tannehill, who even a couple of years ago when he was you know less old, not quite as washed as he is now, he's, he's a relatively decent arm his whole career. He's not making this kind of play really at any point he's not going to get that kind of velocity on the ball from that base from that angle like that's a rare quality the crazy part about it is like whenever we talk about ryan Tannehill making these kind of out of structure throws i immediately can think of like the two times that he's done that that's how rare it is like i immediately (laughs) think of that play against the texans where like he somehow escaped a sack and it was like it was the talk of the town like (laughs) You lose your mind because it's like, oh, he can do that. Wow. Yeah. Right. With Will Levis, yeah. we're going to get, we're going to become numb to it because if he continues to do these things at this rate, um, we're going to, we're going to be spoiled to it, I guess. Um, what's, what's the next play you have uh, for us? I, I, I think that we're going to have a pretty common theme here with, with Levis and what he's able to show. Um, but I, I want to keep showing uh, our listeners examples of the things that he can do that Orion Tannehill maybe can't offer to the Titans. Right. So this is, um, this is a two play sequence that I want to break down. This first one is okay. from, I know it's from the fourth quarter. I think it might be the last drive. Um, and I'm showing this one first because it's basically an example of how the play is supposed to work. And then the second one is going to be like, 
it's the result is still good, but the play just kind of ends up uh, playing out weird. So okay. this is a dagger concept. Um, the let me uh, let me zoom forward a little bit. So the the Steelers are in Tampa two. So you've got these two deep safeties right here. You've got uh, this deep middle defender, which is what separates cover two from Tampa two is that this deep defender is getting a lot more depth and it's basically like cover three and a half. Um, you know, he's not fully playing deep safety, but it allows you to cover these vertical routes down the seam. And then you've got flat, flat hook, hook right there. Um, and the Titans are running dagger, which is going to be a, an influence post clear out post against too high. Uh, you're going to split it down the middle. You're going to get inside of this deep half defender. Um, and what that's going to do is it's going to cause the deep half defender to carry that. And ideally it's also going to influence the middle, uh, the deep middle defender, which it does. And then you're going to have a, um, then you're going to have a dig route coming behind it. And you're going to have some sort of underneath route. Uh, in this case, it's going to be Chigaconquo chipping and then <clears throat> releasing out into the flat. And so by clearing out these two defenders right here, uh, you're basically just creating a high low on this play side hook defender. If, uh, if he bites down on uh, this underneath route, you're going to have space for the dig. And if he gets depth and takes the dig, then you're going to check it down uh, right there. And so I'll, I'll let it play out. Okay. And you can see what happens is that the right here, the, uh, the, two, the, the two deep defenders are carried by the, the influence post. This hook defender is covering grass in no man's land. And then you get <laughs> just a wide open window to hit Chris Moore. Uh, on the dig route so that's just like a classic example of kind of how dagger plays out against too high okay. um you know like it's it's a it's a good throw it's a great job by will levis here of um you know just kind of subtly sidestepping a little bit of pressure from the right side um and yeah i mean like this is just it's like it's kind of like a simple thing but you know just the ability to operate you know deep passing concepts um, right here, I, I kind of just included this play because I think it's pretty interesting. Um, so I I'll let it play out. I believe, yeah, the Steelers are also going to be in cover two here. Um, this time they're running dagger. And I've watched this play so many times. I don't know, like, I, I don't know exactly what, what he's, what, what's happening right here because okay. uh, this, this deep safety is going to get depth. And then he's not going to even bite. Like, he's not going to cover anything, basically. Okay. And then if you watch D-Hop right here, um, I'll play it in a second, he's going to get tackled, basically, and thrown off his route by Joey Porter. And so Will Levis ends up hitting this clear-out seam, which he pretty much would never do unless the deep safety bit hard on uh, the dig, and then you just had, like, a wide-open uh, busted coverage. Um, and so, yeah, he just kind of, he kind of improvises. I can't, I can't tell if he's expecting DeAndre Hopkins, uh, 
to break on this dig and he's throwing with anticipation hmm. or if he's yep. recognizing that this safety is getting way too much depth and he actually has space to fit in uh, you know just a seam route into cover two but um either way like i mean it's a, it's a great pass uh, pretty much pinpoint accuracy um just yeah it's a it's a good example of how he can kind of um you know adjust his plan on the fly is it that something like a little, this is... i was gonna say it looked like a little bit of both right there like if, if deandre yeah. hopkins doesn't stumble right there it's like you throw the ball and it's like maybe kyle phillips gets one hand on it and deandre somebody's hopkins there the right other, exactly. you know there's right. right there because it's like basically the difference is like if deandre hopkins runs here you're pretty much open because uh you can see like the other element you're getting chigakonkwo uh really uh blocking and then he's going to release on this shallow route that's going to be what holds this middle defender down here and creates an opening for the dig so like either way he would have either way it would have been open but yeah the spacing was really weird the safety does a uh pretty pretty terrible job of uh of playing this and I like that you bring up an example of this because while you're getting the, your next clip ready, I want to ask you, everybody has, anybody with eyes has seen what there is to to behold with Will Levis as a physical, you know, prospect. The things that physically he brings to the table, we've talked about a ton already. It's different and it is a, a serious upgrade over a guy like Ryan Tannehill. But as a rookie, there's always the questions of how well is he seeing the field? how easy easy is his offensive coordinator making it on him and you know how difficult are the um reads he's making like the pre-snap recognition of coverage what are your thoughts on how he's performed from the mental aspect of the game through through two performances yeah it, it pretty similar to my thoughts um from his college tape which is that he absolutely has the ability to like read out a concept and and make the correct read like he does that all the time mm -hmm. it's mainly just there's just like a handful of plays every game where it's like what are you doing like <laughs> let's it, the intrusive it, thoughts win yeah no it's yeah. like he either like just goes on autopilot um you know like lock just like locks on predetermines a read or whatever um predetermines where he's going with the football so it's like from a from a I would I would kind of separate it as like processing and decision making. I think his processing mm. is good. Um, it's just sometimes the decision making is uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Do you think I think one of the plays that most people identified as an interesting, maybe poor decision from him at the end of this Steelers game on Thursday Night Football when he tries to hit Traylon up that left hand side of the field? He has Kyle Phillips on I've, the in breaking route that from what from my understanding that in breaking route from Phillips is supposed to be the read there and it looks yep, to me I've, I've like got that play, I've got that play pulled uh we can okay talk okay about so we can talk about that yep hey, okay let's get, um, let's get to that then because I do I do want to discuss that uh so this is this is going to be a quick one uh okay. to uh to Kyle Phillips right here mm -hmm. he's got this slot corner playing with pretty heavy inside leverage meaning like if he, he's shaded over to the inside because there's no help over here and yep. priority one i'm drawing this with my trackpad so the uh, <laughs> great the, the lines are right. gonna be crazy but uh <laughs> priority one is not getting beat over the middle so he's playing with inside leverage um 
Kyle Phillips does a really good job with this route here of attacking the DB's leverage. Um, you know, a lot of times it would be easy. Like, so he's, he's trying to get to this point right here. A lot of times it would be easy to just take the, the shortest path and just go straight upfield and then work over there. But what's going to happen when he moves straight upfield is that the DB, um, if he moves straight upfield, the DB is going to kind of slide over and mirror him. Uh, so you got to attack the defensive back's leverage cell that you're running this route inside so that he's going to, the DB is going to continue to shuffle over in the opposite direction of where you're going to break. And then he does a good job with uh, kind of this, you know, Miles Garrett between the legs uh, <laughs> crossover. Right. You know, lands that lands that plant foot inside. Um, I actually think he's maybe like, I don't think he's fully healthy because he is, a, there are some examples where he isn't that uh, explosive or clean out of his breaks. This is a great route. Um, but, but there are some other examples where like, I, I think that there's maybe another level that he could hit, but uh, yeah, really okay. good, uh, really good route by Kyle Phillips. Let's see. And I think this element of Phillips game is something that surprised folks. I, I had a number of people mention to me, you know, big Kyle Phillips game, nice performance from him. Surprised by how much of a downfield element of his game was was present. You know, like he's I think he's viewed as the slot guy. He's the intermediate. He's, you know, he's the the chain mover. He's the intermediate middle of the field. Pick up a couple yards. Not really a yak guy. They they pushed the ball down the field with him and, and utilized him on some of these deeper routes in this game. Yeah, you know, if you watch him and like it's it's such a small sample size, really, right, like for his cool. whole career. But, you know, last year. Um, they were actually getting him involved a lot more on like deep passing concepts. It wasn't, it wasn't really, you know, just running like hitch routes and stuff. It's, um, you know, if you're not, if you're not going to press Kyle Phillips and you're giving him all this space to work with and just, mm -hmm. you know, go crazy with the footwork, like he's, you know, he's athletic enough to, to put in work downfield and like, this is this is kind of the ideal uh, way to get him involved. Now, what he's shown for his uh, career is that he's really good against bad competition, like against the Giants, which was his you know good game last year. I think he was going up against Darnay Holmes, who is like one of the worst slot corners that I've seen. Um, and then you've got forty-year-old Patrick Peterson here. Um, against the Ravens game, he was kind of getting shut down. Uh, okay. So that's going to be the next step for Kyle Phillips is like, um, you know, showing that he can beat corner, beat good corners. Uh, that's that really with like any player evaluation, it's like sure. you got to take into account level of competition and also, you know, Patrick Peterson playing with some really heavy inside leverage here. But you know. It, Having and to be there's, fair, the there's, Ravens there's defense. No one else. There's no one else on the year, Titans but. roster uh, that that can run routes like this, though. So, yeah, exactly. He, he it is a it is a change of pace. It's a change up um, that people, you know, just the frustration from his lack of healthiness, I think, has caused a lot of folks to write him off and think he's not important to this team. He absolutely the style of player that he is is important. Uh, what's this next play of Levis's that we have? So this is this is where we get into just 
really bad decisions. Like, okay. Um, they're running, they're running play action. Uh, the, the Steelers are basically going to be in cover three. Um, so you get there, 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 um, Levis is, you know, out basically on the, the far side number and he's going to just throw up a YOLO ball to Deandre Hopkins. Just where the arm arrogance goes a little too far. Right. And it's like, all right, D hop, Joey Porter, y'all go fight for it. Um, and like Deandre Hopkins almost catches it, but really what should happen here is that when you get 23 on this blitz, I was about to say see, wide open right you can here. You see yep. Traylon Burks. Uh, what he's going to start to do is instead of run into coverage um, to where Will Levis would throw it and then uh, the corner here would be able to undercut it, mm-hmm. he's going to bend this route upfield. Right. And, you know, Levis needs to try to hit him right here. Um, Levis decides to, to come off of it. You know, he's getting... Uh, getting pressured uh, by Alex Highsmith, but yeah, this is, this is a pretty bad decision. Was that one of Alex Highsmith's nine pressures of Dennis Daly in this game? Uh, actually they're going to have, uh, you mean Andre Dillard. they're going to have Aaron. Or, Brewer, yeah, sorry. Pretty much the same have Aaron Brewer kind of wind back across the formation. Yeah, you're right. And you uh, pick it. him up and Jalen Duncan's in the game uh, right now. Oh, I see. So, yeah, so, so many different offensive line permutations in this game. Uh, it was yeah. a fair guess, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so that's an example of the, I think, I think you're totally right. The arm arrogance being a little bit over the top, not making the right decision. This is an example of uh, in the initial take is not no ability to make any read because the complete collapse of the offensive line. And yet he still gets the ball to the dump off. So when I watched this play live, um, the first time I didn't like, obviously it, it's an impressive throw to get it off, but I didn't really think it was that impressive because I thought they were running a slip screen. Like that's how Mm. bad the protection was. Normally (laughs) if you're running a slip screen, you know, you want to get the the front four upfield. Yep. And so you don't want to lose immediately to where the quarterback's going to get hit, but you want to kind of like play patty and then let them get upfield so they can't impact the play based on how fast just everyone loses here. I was like, (laughs) I was like, okay, five losing across. I was like, okay, yeah, good job. You know, throwing the screen that you were going to throw anyways, uh, you know, as you were getting hit and then you rewatch it and it's like, no, they're running a, a full field passing concept <laughs> and the offensive line is straight up trying to block right here. And he's oh, able to no. play fake, turn around, sense the pressure immediately, you know, know that he has Derek Henry and then just like flick of the wrist get it over the top of 54 here to put enough arc on this uh, so that it's not intercepted. And then Derek Henry tips it to himself like this. That's crazy. Yeah, that is, that absolutely is crazy. Um, Okay. Sorry. I'm getting distracted here. Um, Do we, is the, do we have the, the trail and play here? Is that what this one is? Yeah. The fourth down. So this is the trail and play. Um, the, the Steelers are in man coverage, uh, cover one robber. Uh, so you get man coverage across the board, and then you get the deep safety right there. And then basically anytime an offense is in three by one, uh, so you get 
one, two, three right there. Uh, their coverage is going to be, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but their coverage is going to be dictated on stopping the number three receiver from running basically this route. Um, you know, like basically trips checks are kind of the, the main thing that, um, results in like different variations of coverages. So, uh, this backside safety is going to come down and poach the route from the number three. Uh, I'll let it play out. You get, uh, you get Chigaconquo running an out route. Um, so you've got this double right here. This is out of the picture. And then Kyle Phillips wins at the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. He's wide open right here. The thing is, Will Levis doesn't he he looks at he looks at DeAndre Hopkins for a second. Mm -hmm. But when DeAndre he Hopkins never looks at the Phillips side of the field. He immediate when DeAndre Hopkins doesn't win, he immediately goes uh to Traylon on the on the go route, mm -hmm. which uh yeah, like on fourth down, you just can't do when you, you know, when you already know that the, the extra, the extra defender is going to be occupied by Deandre Hopkins route. Like you have to at least check and see if, uh, Kyle right. Phillips was able to beat press coverage, which he is, uh, does a good job. Like, uh, kind of with this diamond release here where he's going to plan outside, sell the outside release, uh, the corner misses with his hands. He's able to get inside. Um, and so that's that, what I wanted to ask you. Do you so is your understanding that what is the what's supposed to be the progression of reads here? Is this something where pre-snap you need to determine who you're going to look at where? And do you feel like he predetermined it's going to, like I was going to peak D hop and then if it wasn't there, I'm just gonna take I like the one-on-one -on -one matchup with Burks at the boundary, just give him a shot. Like what do you think his thinking was here and what should he have been doing? I can't <clears throat> I can't know for sure, but normally when you've got mirrored in routes like you've got the same slants coming across or mm -hmm. if it's like a deep field passing concepts and you've got the double posts the outside route the inside route is going to clear out whatever um inside defender they have to bracket that whether it's this robber safety or if they had the linebacker here and um you know playing whole coverage then the second slant route is not going to be doubled. It's going to have single coverage. So when I, like when I watch this to me, Kyle Phillips is the, uh, just like pre-snap. If I know it's man coverage, Kyle Phillips is, is going to be the most likely to get open. Right. Like their defenses are just, are not going to let the number three, um, just run cleanly across the middle of the field um in three by one so like yeah I, I i just don't i think that this is an example of just kind of <clears throat> defaulting to like uh, worst case scenario i'm gonna i'm gonna throw up a jump ball down the sideline and you just can't do that on fourth and short well it certainly feels like that's part of that is a result of him being so talented pushing the ball downfield throwing a catchable deep ball being accurate enough throwing down the field it, kind of a blessing and a curse in that way where he's got to resist those those intrusive thoughts to just constantly push the ball down the field not take you know, you know what is given to him underneath I, I have a feeling that's going to be a, a common theme with him as we see him progress in the way that we saw you know with Josh Allen for example where 
he's got to get that golden retriever out of him and, and take with Patrick Mahomes as well a little bit. Take what's given to you underneath and slice and dice a defense when that's what they're asking you to do. Yeah, the good thing is that this is a choice that he's making. It's not like it's not like he's misreading the coverage or right. uh, you know he didn't he he didn't see a safety like hovering somewhere. It's not that this he can't. Is, it's that he's currently won't right. Right. It's like this is just something that you have to decide to do to mm-hmm. to be more patient. You know, reading these underneath routes and short yardage situations. Um, okay, is that so, is that the last Levis clip, or do we have more? Uh, we'll do, we'll do one more depending on, you know, how many you want. Um, let's see. So yeah, we can quickly do this one. This is the, uh, this is the almost interception down the sideline to, uh, D hop D hop. Yeah. Like this is just a pass you should never throw, um, trying to hit a whole shot. So like a whole shot is basically just in between Between a flat defender and a deep safety. Mm-hmm. trying to hit a whole shot against cover two where there's no flat route to occupy the flat defender. So like if you're the flat corner and cover two, when you see it on, on Madden or like in a playbook or something, there's going to be a, a little bubble in the flat, but that's not how you play it. It's not just like you go to the flat and, and hang out there. You're, right. you're reading the routes. And if there's, if there's no flat, if there's a flat route right here, then he's going to, um, bite on that and then yeah maybe you could uh, fit in this whole shot but if if number one releases vertical and there's no flat the flat corner is just going to sink underneath leverage on the vertical route and um, yeah should have been intercepted by uh, Joey Porter right there that's an example of a, of a pre-snap decision that he's not necessarily making pre-snap but like that's one of those things where he's got to identify that early and know that that's a no-go for him and maybe maybe that's just something that's going to come with time with experience yeah and it's the exact same play uh if you watch the monday night game that josh allen threw uh the interception Mm -hmm. to cam taylor Britt, just like predetermining you're gonna hit uh hit the go route down the sideline flat corner sinks uh and he's lucky that one didn't get intercepted and then we're I seeing just... him force the ball to D hop. It's really, it's really D hop that he's forcing the ball to on a relatively right. consistent basis, which you can't really fault him for. Cause it's like, he's the most reliable receiver, easily the most reliable jump ball receiver on this team right now, easily the best receiver in general on this team right now. And I, I don't mind his general philosophy. Will Levis saying, okay, who's the guy that was great when I was 14 years old. Let me just keep throwing to that guy. Right? That's been his plan so far and it's been working for him. So it's kind of yeah. a, I'm I'm fine with the go balls to D hop being like you're basically that's basically his check down is exactly, just throwing yeah. a, a go ball to uh, to D hop. I'm fine with that as long as it's not in like a short yardage situation and as long as you have man coverage. Um, so yeah, that's what yeah. I would say. And then the last one is just like this is an example of how the accuracy it's not it's not like as consistent preci- precise ball placement but he has the ability to fit it into tight windows that, uh, you know, not a lot of quarterbacks have, um, we'll right. show the sideline. You get Deandre Hopkins on Cole Holcomb. Oh yeah. Linebacker with his back turned right oh. over his head. That's beautiful. This is an example of what I was talking about where it's like, if the Titans were in this situation with Ryan Tannehill, it's, it's curtains. Like <laughs> they're not doing anything. <laughs> 
Right, um, right. And I, I, I do. I'm glad you brought this up as like the last point we can we can discuss on Levis because it's kind of coming full circle to what we talked about with you at length in the pre-draft process, whether his inaccuracies or inconsistencies were more to do with decision making or with mechanics. And there was a lot that we talked about his footwork and the constant happy feet and almost every throw sometimes coming from a different platform with different weight distribution leading to inconsistency naturally. Do you feel like you've seen improvement in those areas from him? And again, just two games so far, but he still seems to have a proclivity to, and sometimes it's not a necessity because of this offensive line to be fair to him, but he does have a proclivity to throw from some kind of funky angles from some funky footing and he's getting away with it so far, but I'd imagine he'd like to get that ironed out a little bit still. Yeah. There are a few times that I've noticed footwork. I try not to be too critical of, of quarterbacks footwork. Cause I think okay. that's kind of like above my pay above my pay grade. Like there's Fair just enough. so many ways that it can be taught just based on like who their quarterback coach is. Sure. Um, so really if it's egregious, I'll point it out. The one that stands out to me is actually his touchdown in the red zone to DeAndre Hopkins from the Falcons game, just like on that crazy route ball. where it right. was it behind was them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can see just like directly related to the footwork. Um, but yeah, so this, these first few games are kind of my baseline for, for Will Levis in terms of footwork. And then we'll see how it, uh, we'll see how it improves, uh, from here on out. Okay. I know we want to, while we're here, talk a little bit about this Titans offensive line and we've got some tape, of some good and certainly of some bad that you've brought to show us um, where do we, do, do you, how, how did you plan on doing this from a looking at the offensive line as a whole or highlighting individuals? So I had a cut up that was just offensive line. And then okay. I had a Dylan Radins cut up. Uh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Let's do so, it. Yeah. Um, Is that going to be a positive Dylan Radins cut up or a y'all got to quit calling for Dylan Radins cut up? Um, I would say mostly, uh, probably mostly positive. Okay. All right. Let's, let's see um, what you have to say then. So yeah, he was matched up, I think probably like seven and he's going to be left tackle for the duration of this cut up. He was matched up probably seven or eight, like true one-on-one -on -one reps against, uh, against TJ Watt. Good job here. I think of, uh, <laughs> of blocking this cross chop. I think. Because normally, normally when you're uh, so a cross chop is like TJ Watt's going to take this inside arm and try to chop this outside arm, and then he's going to use this arm to pull through on the shoulder and get around to the quarterback. Normally, what you want to do is you want to pull pull back the outside arm. You want to be light with your punch and uh, not like overextend and lunge into the cross chop uh dylan radins does kind of lunge into this but he does he does it looks a good like the job. chop kind of misses he does right exactly and and tj watt misses with his chop because dylan radins is wide with his punch which mm -hmm. you don't want to be wide with your punch so kinda it's kind of like with not it. great yeah. technique that ends up uh that ends up working out but um but i i thought overall he did a really good job of of protecting the corner against Watt, he he basically has two ways of winning. He's either going to chop around the outside, or he's going to do some kind of inside counter. Uh, the inside counters, as we'll get into, uh, kind of got him a couple times, but uh, overall he did a good job protecting the outside. 
I think like just in general, Dylan Radins, we've got to keep in mind that he's just kind of like a limited athlete. Um, right. And uh, I, I think that even if it might be the case that he's their best option at right tackle or left tackle, but I mean, it's good. I, I just do. I think the expectations need to be that like, it's still not going to be that good uh, regardless of what sure. they do. Uh, this is a good example of using pre-snap motion to get a uh, to get a favorable look in the run game. So they're going to run outside zone. Um, you've got Cam Hayward here outside of the tight end, uh, and they're going to motion uh, Kevin Rader in. Hayward's going to respond by sliding into the C-gap, and you can see that gives Dylan Radins a really good uh, angle to secure this reach block. Not only is does he have to travel less distance, but you've got Cam Hayward. Um, you're snapping the ball as he's sliding in, so he's moving in the opposite direction of the run. Um, and then that frees up, um, what's his name, <clears throat> 88. Wesco. Wesco. Yep. Yeah, instead of having to reach Cam Hayward, he can climb out, block this uh, defensive back. Raider does a really good job of letting the running back make him right. So like ideally you would want to reach block and like get on the play side shoulder on the outside shoulder here. And then Henry would run through, but uh, the running back or the uh, linebacker is going to try to lever this, meaning he's getting outside leverage for uh, forcing everything back inside. Uh, so Raider does a good job of adjusting and just flushing him out. And then whatever, whatever Derek Henry is averaging per carry would be like, plus 20% if he could just hurdle people. Um, <laughs> he's had so many runs that like could have been Shoot straight big tackles. Games, but he just gets tripped up. Great right. play by Keanu Benton though. Um, so yeah. here, TJ Watts uh, going to rush. They're going to get a, they're going to get chip help from Chigaconquo. This is an example of how chip help can kind of make it more difficult sometimes, but Dylan Radins does a good, a good job of recovering. Like normally, I don't know how, how they're being coached to do this, but unless just Chigaconquo's presence here is going to take away uh, this, you know, wide outside speed rush uh, mm. for TJ Watt. So unless he's trying to force his way outside and then you've got, uh, you've got Dylan Radins widening out in his set and then you're, you're basically just propelling him inside for a counter, but Radins does a good job of, of adapting sliding inside and then he's able to uh to mirror the the uh secondary move and this is the play that we talked about earlier with the uh the seam route so good protection there um yeah yeah this is just an example like in run blocking if it's just one-on-one -on -one at the point of attack i think dylan raiden's like gets stood up pretty easily mm -hmm. and just doesn't have great you know, impact, some of that limited play strength, right? Impact blocking ability. Um, here's an example of just like it's a low bar, but like Nicholas Petit Friere, especially, but Andre Dillard will do this also. We'll just let edge rushers just sprint around them. So, like, this is just a low bar of just like blocking the person in front of you. We're just yeah. asking for serviceability, just like, yeah, no, something. It, you don't you like with Dylan Radins, you just at least don't get the sense that like the moment is too big for him. 
not to do like clutch analysis or whatever, but it, it just seems like, <laughs> especially with NPF, it seems yeah. like it's just like, he just can't handle it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, I, that's, that's, it feels like with Raiden's, it is not great at all, but you can work with it. And that is a, a low bar, but it's a necessary one. Yeah. Pretty good job here. Um, let's see. He but seems then, yeah, to do a decent job despite the lack of play strength of instead of trying to push back a guy, read like redirect their energy away. You know what I mean? Like get them off track enough to where their path to the quarterback isn't direct, gives them a split second more. Whereas with with, you know, other lesser tackles, you see them just try and lose to push back a guy and get dropped or, you know, chop blocked effectively and thrown on their butt like. He, yeah, he, I can show work around his deficiencies relatively fine. Yeah, I mean, he was um, like he was doing a really good job of protecting the outside. I think in terms of anchor and just play strength, um, you know, he, I haven't really seen him tested with like true power on the outside. I do think that he's kind of in a situation where he doesn't necessarily have the length to be an elite tackle and he doesn't really have the play strength to hang with elite power rushers. Um, but I, I think for tack, like against edge rushers, he's going to be fine in terms of power, but he was pretty much selling out to stop the speed rush. So when Watt did go with the inside counters, uh, he was able to get him a couple of times. Mm -hmm. um, let's see another good job on the speed rush there. Another good job on the speed rush. And then inside spin he gets beat so yeah he was selling out to stop the outside inside counters got him um so to, to then, put a bow on it is your evaluation of raiden's that he is a better tackle option than i mean obviously mpf isn't an option anymore with the surgery um then dillard and oh yeah it's not great oh, yeah. but he should be the guy right yeah he's like what he looks kind of like what I thought Dillard was going to be, which is like the 28th best tackle in uh left tackle. Not the 30th you know, given week. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not like exactly. Not like half of NFL teams uh, have a, have a better option on their right. bench or something. Um, <laughs> and then let's so we have yeah, more of the rest of the offensive line here. So yeah, I just had some like miscellaneous uh, blocking plays here. Uh, just got to point out that uh, uh, Daniel Brunskill, Brunskill has been really good in pass protection. The one thing that he just routinely struggles with is reach blocks at difficult angles, uh, trying to reach this nose tackle here. He just mm. doesn't really have the explosiveness um, to get across that play side shoulder, and uh, the play gets blown up here. Um this is uh this is just Andre Dillard not knowing the snap count, not getting out of his stance. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah this there, is, champ. This is where uh, you just kind of like need to know the difference between uh, one and two, basically. Sure. Yeah, that's yeah. important. Um let's see what's going on here. Yeah, you've got uh, a diving I thought he had a rough game to start out, but then once he got injured and then came back, he actually had some really good reps and not really uh, 
any negative plays that I noticed. So like the first quarter was pretty rough for him. Uh, here he's he's really focused on. <laughs> it's hard to blame him. You can see his eyes. He's got this like uh, he's got this. Um, what do you call it? A uh, drag hand out to uh, to protect uh, against Keanu Benton, but his eyes are just completely focused to the left side. And uh, what's he looking at back there? He's like trying to see if there's going to be a blitzer from the secondary or what's he? I don't. Like, it, what's he? So Andre Dillard. Back? Whenever they try to cut block here, sometimes Andre Dillard will just completely whiff. And he's trying to. He's trying not to even protect both guys. Down. So my guess is that he's he's checking to make sure that that Dillard doesn't whiff um, <laughs> Fair enough. but Keanu Benton's able to, to um, get penetration there. Here we get a nice, uh, a nice outside zone rep. If we look at this double team with, uh, with Peter Skaronsky and Andre Dillard, he's able to move, move the three tech pretty far off the ball. Um, again, just like difficult reach blocks for Daniel Brunskill doesn't have a very high success rate uh speed through that he got injured um so right here they're gonna they're gonna slide over a gap and you can see that uh you can see 44 is kind of sliding in he gets a head start and npf tries to npf tries to punch before he slides his feet over to to close off that gap um I guess mm -hmm. really no point in talking about MPF since he's uh, injured. Right, right. Um, sounds like sounds like the reviews aren't great from you though on MPF. Yeah, man, it's been bad. Uh, it's been brutal. Um, well, he's not around. This anymore. is the play that we looked at. This was this was his last bad play where uh, Peter Skronsky, where he got injured, uh, mm -hmm. loses to the loses to the club swim, which like. I did a video on Keanu Benton. He just spams this move over and over again and wins at an insanely high rate. So like, he's been doing this against uh, against like good starting caliber guards. Like he's he's a good uh, pass protector. Um, but then yeah, they shot him up with with steroids and uh, got him got fixed up. Out there. Another there good go. double team right here with Skaronsky and and Brewer on the left side. Uh, getting some movement on, I think, is that Cam Hayward? Yeah, it looks yeah. like it. Yeah, he's Skaronsky, like as a run blocker, has been really impressive. Uh, he can really do it all. He has the the movement skills for zone blocking, but uh, also, you know, really good power. It all starts with just consistent hand placement. You can see the hands are <clears throat> the hands are always inside, uh, just controlling the interaction. He's really the opposite of Raiden's in that way, where he, from an athleticism standpoint, he does have, besides the physical limitations of like actual length, he, he brings a lot to the table as an athlete, whereas Raiden's is more limited. Yeah, I'd have to check his his RAS, but I mean, I think he had crazy, especially like agility testing, which is pretty mm -hmm. big for offensive linemen. He had some right. uh, really good uh, numbers there. Another good double team with <clears throat> with Dillard and Skaronsky. Uh, you know, and Brewer and Brunskill get in on this. Uh, this is the play. Uh, the reason I saved this, this is the last play of that drive where they just ran it three times and then threw it to Traylon on fourth down. Mm -hmm. um, not defending the play call because, uh, like, I don't agree with it, but it is just an example of how how close a run can be to to hitting for a big gain. Uh, but just one block 
uh, one blown block can can ruin it and then it's a loss well and from what i've anecdotally from my watching the tape and you can tell me if you feel differently totally that's the case it's like one block you're missing and a lot of the time it's been just one more tight end block that doesn't quite get there with this team and this is an example right here you've got who is that is it wesco yeah wesco this guy gets the penetration into the backfield otherwise henry's going to fall forward for two three four five yards here yep yeah i mean if 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 we just ignore this uh this front side block right here you know he's going to cut this good he's going to cut this back uh you know he's going to cut this back through this wide open gap we could have gotten a uh you know a walk off henry touchdown right there yeah um and then yeah this is the last play this is so the titan three right the titans uh do this a lot um and, and like i i really like this part of of their run scheme um where they'll run this this scheme would be called duo wrap so you're going to get a double team right here and then a double team right here uh going in this direction that direction and then you're going to get a run just kind of like right around there um but you're going to have nick westbrook akina uh wrapping around leading as the lead blocker through there hmm. um inexplicably dylan radens is gonna like oh you know, my he God. needs he needs to wall off uh tj watt so that he can't come in from the backside and and get the tackle but like he's got to let nwi get to his landmark first and he ends oh, up just God. blocking nwi and then now you know ideally nwi is going to have <clears throat> this player blocked or this player blocked and then ty j spears has uh has one player to miss uh one player to make miss which is definitely possible but um you know he can't he's not gonna be able to get through two unblocked defenders right um, plays so just from the get go so yeah poor execution right. there all right is that it for offensive line that's it. Awesome stuff, man. Awesome stuff. Do we, is, is that it? Is that all we pulled? Or is that's there all I got. All right. That's all we got. That's awesome, man. That was fantastic. I know that I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners learned a lot. Uh, thanks so much for the time yeah, and the effort to, to come on and, and show us some of those things. I'm sure at least once more at some point, maybe when we have eight or nine Will Levis games under our belt, and you can really pull out the highlights and the lowlights of the sample size. We'll, we'll dive back into it later in the season. But for now, it's been a pleasure. Tell our listeners where they need to check out even better and even more film study from A to Z Films. Yeah, on uh, YouTube, A to Z Film Room, um, probably going to do, you know, QB School has, has the game-to-game breakdowns pretty much covered, but uh, I'm definitely right. going to be doing a... Uh, like more of a, a a broad view looking back probably you know after four or so games um looking at kind of his performance as a whole uh on will levis and uh, do a titans video every week over there um and you can also follow me on twitter at no flags film yeah don't let o'sullivan own that corner man there's some competition some <laughs> capitalism of it here i like it uh hey, man, i was to everybody my after will Levis's uh first performance like the main thing that was on my mind was like all right i gotta get this video out before qb school because his is gonna be better than mine so fair enough fair enough he's james foster we love having him on the show go check out all his stuff on twitter at a to z film room and on youtube at a to z film room james thanks so much man we'll talk to you soon thanks for having me 
All right, we are not quite done today on the Hot Read Podcast. We've got some news to dive into, but we are running late. First time in a while, JT. I, I'm honestly proud of us. We've not gone along like this in a while. Today was absolutely, uh, I, f- I feel justified in having gone as long as we did, but we do have a couple of news items to get into. So without further ado, let's get into the news with producer JT. Yeah, and let's just talk about the AFC South as a whole right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as each quarterback one of the AFC South right now is under the age of 25. Of course, Trevor Lawrence and Will Levis are both 24. CJ Stroud is 22. And then um, the presumed quarterback one of the future for the Indianapolis Colts, Anthony Richardson, is 21. So uh, expect a lot from these guys for years to come uh, for these teams respectively right now, because it seems like they are not going away anytime soon with how young they all are. No, absolutely. And if they pan out, I mean, this has been some, there's been some talk of this on social media and rightfully so that JT, I, I, I need to go back and pinpoint when we were talking about this some point right after the draft, we were talking about how the AFC, I may have been saying it before the draft, the AFC South is set up to go full NFC East, but even for, even more so we saw the NFC East mockingly referred to as the NFC least in like 2018, 2019, they were putting playoff teams into the playoffs with losing records. You were getting like a seven and nine Washington in there. It was gross and disgusting. And now they've become this juggernaut. Last year, they had three playoff teams in there. This year, they've got two powerhouses in the NFC. The AFC South absolutely can be on that trajectory if these four quarterbacks are all franchise-level guys. And all four of them have shown flashes of being franchise-level guys. Not only do you have set up a an absolute gauntlet of like a decade where these guys are just balling and it might be one of the most, if not the most competitive divisions in the league, but you've got a lot of promise and a lot, a lot of arms race cash influx for three of these teams. If you've got cost controlled five year contracts for Stroud and Richardson and Levis, and those are the guys the next five years, Holy smokes, the cap cash, the arms race cash, that's going to be able to be allocated to, Everything besides quarterback for these three teams, it's going to be nutty. It's going to be the talk of the offseason. This AFC South division that is the smallest aggregate market of all of the divisions, um, it's going to demand a lot of attention nationally, and it's going to demand a lot of attention because of how much action and, and hopefully how much competence and competition there is from this group. It is a good time to be in the AFC South, and it's exciting time. It's an exciting time to be in the AFC South. I, I, you know, we would love for the Titans to be better than the other teams because Titans fans love winning, and all of our listeners are Titans fans for the most part. I, I personally, I'm rooting for all of these guys to be awesome so that we can just constantly be talking about how epic the AFC South is, and every game is another roller coaster ride. It certainly makes our job easier, right? Like, as you said, like, These games that probably weren't going to be very much fun to watch, like against the Carolina Panthers or two games against the Texans. Like these are now very interesting games to watch down the stretch here. You you have to see the comparison there. Um, Mm -hmm. And like you said, a lot of money will be thrown around. Maybe the Titans before these other teams, as um, even though these teams have an extra year on Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud, because Will Levis of course was a second round pick, but, but I mean, the, the the Titans, a top three team with the most capital to spend next year, could get a jump start on these teams. Certainly uh, hopeful for the foreseeable future. Before we, we, we continue on here, we just have to, like you said, um, kind of talk about Ryan Tannehill, who 
Um, obviously is now the backup, which by the way, it's probably not a terrible thing to have Ryan Tannehill as your backup. He probably becomes, in my opinion, the best backup in the league. Maybe a thousand percent. What are you talking about? I I mean, I had, there was a lot of people on, on, on X today saying that, uh, outside of Gardner Minshew, Ryan Tannehill is the best backup. And no, I was like, no, 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 no. What are we doing here? No, no, no. Um, and here's the difference, right? Gardner Minshew has been bouncing around for a couple of seasons, a couple of off seasons, getting really, really nice backup money. A little $8 million one-year contract, a little $10 million one-year contract, like fantastic backup money. He's earned that for sure. Ryan Tannehill is going to be an unrestricted free agent. He's going to go get real, like he's going to go get at, I would be shocked if he were to sign anywhere next year for, less than like $20 million. I think that he's going to get like low level starter money for somebody to go. Like could be a lot more if than I, that. If I'm his, there's the difference right there. At, at least if I'm his agent here, um, I'm tapping on the Mike Lennon, $10 or $10 million for one year for the, for the Chicago that's bears. I'm like, that's my bar. Um, this is the bottom, but, this is the floor. Yes. Ryan Tannehill though, just looking at his Titans career over the past um, four years, he is 38 and 23 with a touchdown to interception ratio of 91 touchdowns to 39 interceptions um, for everything said and done with him uh, definitely was uh, a, a, a good player for the Titans. He brought them a lot of success, but obviously there were some shortcomings and that's how uh, we got here today. Mentally tough, physically tough pros, pro class act. Can't say enough great things about Ryan Tannehill. He's going to be fantastic to have in the room for Will Levis. Um, and he's going to, I hope, I hope he has a, a strong finish to his career, wherever that that is. And I, I'm sure he's bummed out today, but I'm, I'm sure he's handling it like a pro, like he always has with everything. Yeah, now we can move on to some injury notes here. The first one, which is maybe the biggest right now, is that Nicholas petit Friere will need surgery to repair a shoulder injury suffered in Thursday night's loss to the Steelers. So he is pretty much all but done for the season, uh, this season, which is a tough break for him. Obviously got his uh, gambling suspension cut down to only those five games. He comes in, has to take over for Andre Dillard um, in, in the in the Baltimore game, is, is moved around a little bit in, in this game against uh, the Steelers, and mm-hmm. his sophomore season is less than ideal. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a real bummer for him. And as we were talking about with James, when he was on the field, it wasn't very good. And so just kind of a nightmare year for him really feel for the guy. He's a really nice, really bright young man and um, a, a good guy in my experience with him. So I hope that he's got the support he needs and I hope that he gets healed up and comes back better than ever. Yeah. And then talking about the Titans secondary to he- today, Mike Vrabel commented on two of the guys in the secondary. First of all, talking about Roger McCreary in which he said Roger McCreary should be good to go. So hopefully expecting to get him back this week against the Buccaneers and then Sean Murphy bunting. Not so much as Mike Vrabel said, Sean won't be out there today, but we'll see how it goes. So he, his status is at least more up in the air for this week. Yeah. Um, they need both guys back really bad. But you can't have both gone, as was demonstrated by that Steelers game. You can't have two UDFA corners out there and Eric Gare and Trey Avery as serviceable as they may be as backups in a pinch. Um, that's in a pinch. And serviceable is a really relative word. Both of those guys on the field is a recipe for disaster. You're then banking on Christian Fulton being clamps, which to his credit, quietly has been the past couple weeks. I believe he's allowed 47 total yards in the past three weeks. Granted, not against the best quarterbacks in the world um, those three weeks. Lamar Jackson, but then other than that, um, you know, 
Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke. Uh, and then you, you saw Kenny Pickett last week. Let's see him face some better quarterbacks. Uh, but, but, you know, credit where credit's due. He's been good. You, you, you need more than just Christian Fulton out there on the field. You got to have one of these guys back. Rabel sounded like when he said this to us that there's a chance both guys are back. Um, so keep your fingers crossed, Titans fan, that, that um, whatever that thumb situation or thump, according to the uh, injury report, whatever that thump situation with Sean Murphy Bunting is, that he can get it figured out. Yeah, and let's talk about the two guys dealing with concussions. Um, first off with Traylon Burks, Mike Vrabel today said that he is indeed in concussion pro- protocol and isn't anticipating him being available this week. Pretty standard if you saw the injury on Thursday night. Pretty much could expect with how the Titans handle these types of things that he's not going to go this week. Um, but on the other week, hand, to be honest, like I'll yeah. be really surprised if he's back. Now, after two games, uh, I think that there's – I'm not ruling him out. Don't get me wrong. But like from what we saw, from what I've heard, Sounds like it might be like a Chris Hubbard situation where he's not out there for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and then speaking of Chris Hubbard, on the other hand, he's going to be out there practicing this week, yes, and and that is that is a good sign that he is looking to return soon, which is much Lord needed help need for for the uh, <laughs> offensive line because of how many people they had to put into that game against the Steelers. So that is some good news there. Yep, yep, yep. All right, anything else, or is that all we got? A few more things here. We can first talk about just some standard uh, practice squad elevations and whatnot. Signed to the practice squad um, today, offensive lineman, Lachavius Simmons, I believe that's how you say it. Lachavius, Lachavius, Lachavius. I don't know, Mr. Simmons, offensive lineman. Welcome him to the practice squad here. Never heard of this guy. This uh, this guy has not been on the Titans team before. He's not like a guy they bring back. Hand up. I got to dive into what Lachavius or Lachavius. I need to dive in how to say his name. Let's start there. And then also signed to the practice squad today, defensive back Josh Thompson. This one, this next one, though, is is an interesting one that kind of raised some eyebrows today. Defensive tackle Naquan Jones was waived from the active roster today, along with Dane Crookshank being released from the practice squad. But your thoughts on Naquan Jones, who was playing about 20% snap share this, this season so far, your thoughts on him being waived from the active roster? Kind of surprising. He uh, this season had a 20 percent, I believe, snap count share was similar to what he had last season. They were playing him a decent amount, but apparently they weren't pleased and wanted to churn that roster. I uh, wouldn't be shocked if he's a guy that they swing back around and bring back to the practice squad, but we'll have to see. Yeah. And then finally here, let's just talk about, of course, Will Levis wasn't the only quarterback news today. Let's first talk about Josh Dobbs, who this past weekend absolutely balled out. He's the first player in NFL history to score three total touchdowns in consecutive games while playing for different teams in each mm. games, which the past or not. Yeah, How about that. Exactly right. Only a NASA, only a part-time NASA employee could do something <laughs> like that. And then finally, here Carson Wentz is signing with the Los Angeles Rams. So Let's go. Many years after the Rams elected to take Jared Goff over Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz finally joins the team to back up Matt Stafford. So what are we thinking? He he's good. He's got to add a Rams piece of gear to his offseason getup. Is it the shoes? I was like, do we need another sleeve? He could do double sleeves. Last I checked, he had had the, he had the Colts pants, the commanders practice penny and the Eagles helmet. 
So like I could Ooh, see a sleeve gloves? in there. Maybe like a throw like a glove or something. A glove, like non that. a non-throwing hand glove. Yeah, we'll have to see what exactly he can add to the arsenal. But I'm so glad he gets to add another piece to the collection. Uh, he's, he's, that'd be that'd be new, you know. What'd you say? A cape, maybe. I don't know. Cape, Shake it up. A you cape. Know? That, I'm in. I'm in on the cape. I love that. It's a great idea. Um, it should be a Rams cape. Yeah, no, um, very interesting that they're doing that. I guess that they think that Matthew Stafford might be a guy that is out for a little bit longer than hoped. And they aren't crazy about going with uh, who's the dresser win. Is that one of the guys they released today? Dresser win was a quarterback on this team at some point. Um, and then you, you had Brett Rippon last week and that was DOA. So you, you, you know, Stetson Bennett is who I'm sure they'd like to be rolling with, but he's been away for non-football related situation. That's, we don't know what the, the deal is, but he can't be around football right now. He's got some personal things to attend to. So it's Carson Wentz, baby. Let's see if they get him in there. And I hope that they do because boy, does it make them more entertaining to watch good, but entertaining. Yes. As a, as a newly, as an, as a newfound owner of Cooper cup, I, I, I do welcome this news because anybody, but sure. Brett Rippin throwing the ball, I don't care if it's, if it's Carson Wentz off one week of practice, like, give me that now. <laughs> sure. No, I'm about it. All right. Is that all we have today? Into yes. The that, news? That's going to do it for our news today. All right. That is the news with producer JT. And that is our extra long edition of a Wednesday hot read podcast. Appreciate so many of you being with us here live today. Hope you learned something from James. Who's awesome. We love having him on the show and we'll have him again i'm sure in the near future in the nearer future we'll be live on thursday evening 5 30 p.m central standard time at boomba's craft pizza and tap house in spring hill just a 20 25 minute drive south of nashville if you're in town straight down 65 you can hang out with us at 2044 crossing boulevard in the heart of spring hill it is a good time each and every we week might turn, we might show. turn this week into a drinking game because of we that. might have to because JT, who are the teams playing on this fine Thursday? Night? Carolina Panthers and the the Chicago Bears with maybe a Justin Fields back. I, Kill I, I don't know. Me, no, I don't care. <laughs> Kill me. Um, it is going to be a drink. We're going to be doing something. It's going to be a good time. I don't know if the football is going to be a good time. Maybe we'll we'll find a way to bet on it and make it entertaining in that way. Whatever it is, it's a great week to come out because every week's a great week to come out. So come and hang out with us. A couple more things before we go. Make sure you're following us on social media at Hot Read Pod on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram. On YouTube, subscribe to the Broadway Sports Media YouTube page as well as the 440 Sports YouTube page. You can find some of our content on there as well. That's 440 Sports and Broadway Sports Media. Those two YouTube pages, they are both a combined $0.00 to subscribe to. So we recommend you go and do that to help us out as a personal favor. We've done so much work for you today. Just do us one quick favor and go subscribe. I'm on my knees. I'm begging. Thank you so much. Um, where we do our regular podcasts, we, we haven't shot that, shot it out that in a while apple podcasts stitcher spotify google whatever wherever you get your podcasts we are there and we would love for you to catch the podcast version of the show maybe if you're in the shower driving you can't watch you're uh, exercising whatever it is you're doing where you can't watch the show on youtube which we, we appreciate you doing go and listen to it wherever you get your podcasts subscribe there and leave us a five-star review. It really does help folks find the show on those podcast platforms. Leave us a five-star review. And then in that 
review section of the five star rating, you can tell us about how stupid and moronic we are and how much you hate us. I just look. No, no one is. No one is that 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 the reviews are are barren right now. I know because we've done such a good job pushing on YouTube and Twitter and stuff like people. I think podcasts are the backup now, which I'm fine with. I'm fine with. But sometimes you need a podcast. Sometimes it is called can't. the Hot Read Podcast. It is so. called the Hot Read Podcast, not the Hot Read YouTube video show. So <laughs> uh, check out the Hot Read Podcast on your podcast platforms of choice. We'll be back on Thursday. Until then, for producer JT, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. Will Levis, Future of the Titans. How about that? This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you later. Uh-huh.